if you've not already followed us on any of our social media, be sure to follow us on Facebook at NA Victory Church, Instagram at na.victorychurch, and YouTube at Victory Church Media to stay informed of all that's going on here at Victory. Amen. I'm so thankful and honored to be speaking here this evening. Um, and what a tremendous honor and blessing it is. Uh, I, I love I love Victory Church. I love this place. I love everything that we do here. Um, I, I'm excited. I am ex- so excited. And not only am I excited about speaking tonight, Sunday at 1030. Sunday at 1030. We have been waiting. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting to get back in the house of God where we can all worship together in one mind and in one accord. And guess what? The time has finally come. I am so happy. I am so honored. And at 1030, be my guest. Be here. We're excited. We're, we, have, we have set up the whole entire uh, uh, sanctuary to, to excel and, and to, to, to go on uh, with, the, with the rules that have been placed. We're, we've got six feet uh, in between each and every person, each and every seat, um, and they're in groups, and, and I'm so looking forward to what is going to happen Sunday morning. I cannot wait to get back into the house of God with everyone else. And then, without any further ado, if you would, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ask, because this is what we do traditionally, wherever you're at, why don't you stand for the reading of the Word? Um, and Matthew is where I'm headed, Matthew chapter 19, verses t- 16 through 26. Um, And just go ahead, like I said, go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. Why don't you honor it in your home? And I believe that God can still bless you for something like that, even though it may seem small and minute. But again, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. And he says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou will have eternal life, keep the commandments. I don't want you to notice what this man responds to him. He says, which one? Which? Trying to get an easy out. Something something most of us, I know myself in particular, have done. We want to get the the easy scapegoat route. We want to do the easiest and the quickest thing possible. Which one, Jesus, which commandment should I keep in order to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus answers, he says, "Don't, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, young people. And thou shalt uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I can picture in my head this young man beginning to get excited. And he says, I've done all these things from my youth up. What do I lack now? And Jesus said unto him, if you'll be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
When his disciples heard this, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Then who can be saved? And Jesus beheld them. And he said unto them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So please, please don't let me scare you with my title this evening. Uh, I have I've went back and forth. Uh, this is a message that I taught our young people um, a while back. I can't even remember when with this quarantine. All my days, I don't even know what day today is. I'm just going to be blatantly honest with you. Um, but this is a message that I had taught a while back. And, and God, for the past three, two or three weeks, has been pushing me and, 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 and almost making me go back and, and restudying it and, and, and really putting some emphasis on this. And, and so he's, he's had it on my heart for a while, and I hope that I can portray it. So please don't let me scare you with this title. I'm going to preach on this, on this subject, The Limits of a Powerful God. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you this evening. God, I pray that your anointing would fall in this house and not only in this house, but also in the house of every ear and every person that's listening, Lord. I pray that your, your spirit would just come down and begin to wrap it, your arms around each and every person that is listening. God, I pray a, a divine encounter would take place this evening in somebody's life. God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and the minds of these people. God, use this man sitting, standing right here. God, anoint my lips of clay. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And if you were standing in honor to the reading, please be seated. And I pray that you would, you would help me somehow, somehow. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you today, but I know a God that is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-ruling. He is an all-powerful being. We can't understand him. Our thoughts, are, they're not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. Uh, there is none before him. There is none after him. There is none behind him, in front of him. There are none beside him. He is God, and he is God alone. Isaiah chapter 40 tries to explain a little bit of how great our God truly is. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 13 and 14 it says, Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and, and taught him the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? I want you to notice he didn't counsel with anyone on how to build this planet. My goodness, he didn't counsel with anyone on how to design the stars. In fact, the only wise one enough to even talk back to him was himself. There was no knowledge or wisdom great enough to, to, eat enough to help him on what to do or, or advise him on how to do anything and everything that he did. Ezekiel chapter 22 verses 30 and 31, it says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land and that I should not destroy it. But I didn't find any. I didn't find any. Therefore, have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. There was no man great enough no man great enough to tell God Almighty what to do or to even stop him. 
This God we serve is great. He is amazing. He is truly, oh God, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. He is truly indescribable. But when you have that Holy Ghost experience, my God, it is undeniable. My God is the lily of the valley. He is the bride and the morning star, the root and the offspring of David. He is the Elohim, the creator, the El Shaddai, almighty God. He is Adonai, the master, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Nisi, my banner, Jehovah Rapha. He heals Jehovah in Kadesh, who makes you holy, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Shadoth, Lord of hosts. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. Jehovah Shama, ever present. And it came to a point that there wasn't a name to describe him. And so he says, just go ahead and tell them that I am the I am. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, he is whatever you need today. I'm going to say it again. He is whatever you need today. Whatever you need in your life, whatever you need in your heart, God is the great I am and he can do miracles, signs, and wonders wherever you are sitting in the name of Jesus. And it, and it came to a point in the Old Testament that you couldn't even say his name. You couldn't say his name. They began to use abbreviations because the mortal bodies of the men and women that were calling upon his name couldn't handle the power. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't take it. There was so much power that came down. That's again why we get into the tabernacle, but I'm not going to go there today. But, but today, we, we, we say it whenever we feel like it. Amen. I heard about 400 right there. I heard, yeah, every one of you. He said, we say it whenever we feel like it, never truly meaning it. We say it in slang terms. We put it with, every, with any and every word that there is. We put it with this word and we put it with that word and we never truly, truly mean it. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. And it says, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And he let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. If you're sitting there and you're, and you're listening, I want you to say that. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God created man in his likeness to look like him. I want you to notice at that point he didn't have an Eve and there for sure wasn't a Steve. He didn't have a mother. He didn't, he didn't have a fleshly father. He didn't have a brother. He didn't have a sister. It was just him and the voice walking in the garden. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and the Lord God said it is not good it is not good that man should be alone I will make him a helpmeet for him and God created Adam and Adam began to walk around by himself and God said it's not good that man should be this much like me he said it's not good that that he should be this much of a reflection of me and in the words of T.D. Jakes he says God said man should not be that much like me all alone. 
all alone, all own, all one. He said, it's not good. Let me put him to sleep and make something else out of him and create. And he created Eve. What am I trying to say with all this? What, Brother Jordan, what are you trying to say with all this? What does this have to do with the limits of a powerful God? He's, I want you to notice something. We are a very small piece of what God is trying to do. We are a very small piece of what God is trying to do. And God put us on this earth to do His will, not for Him to do ours. He put us on this earth to do His will, not for Him to do ours. He doesn't serve us. He doesn't serve us. I, I know He does many mighty things for us, but He does not serve us. My goodness, if He never does a miracle for you for the rest of your life, if He never provides another penny in your, in your bank account, can you trust Him? Can you still serve Him? I get tired of hearing things. I, I get tired of hearing that, that God's not answering my prayers uh, he's not doing this for me. He's, he's not doing that for me. But let me ask you this. Are you answering what he wants you to do? Are you doing what he wants? Are we answering the call he's put on our life? If, if we aren't in that, if we aren't doing that, we're not answering the call, then why should he be obligated to answer ours? Think about that. Why should he be obligated to answer our prayers and our calls if we're not answering him and we're not giving back to him? Come on, he didn't put man on this earth so man could teach him a thing or two. He allows us to walk on this earth, walk about, and he begins to teach us a thing or two. Wisdom is from God. Even understanding is from God. Too many times we will find ourselves seeking and searching for our own will searching for our own way that's a lot of the reason that people will fall out of the will of God because they turn their back on him because they have prayed about a situation that didn't go the way that they thought it should go and now they're not happy not allowing him to work and when we don't allow him to work in our lives we begin to limit his power notice that he is not a God of timing but he's an on-time God Oh my goodness, he is an on-time God. When we feel like he should be working, he's like, no, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put it in whenever I feel like it should go in. Why? Because we're supposed to trust him. Let me tell you a scripture that often gets misquoted. I know it's been said by a lot of better preachers, a better evangelist than I am, but I want to hit on it because I want you to notice it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good, for the good that love God to them who are called according to his purpose we like to quote it and I've quoted it myself all things work for our good but it doesn't say that he says it works for the good whose good not ours he says it works for 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 his good our good doesn't measure up to his good let me say that again. Our good does not measure up to his good. We have to remember his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes our good is kind of like this. I know I've said it. Lord, you know who? You know who is he's acting up again. He's doing wrong or she's doing wrong. Why do you put up with that stuff? Why why do you do that? Or or it's Oh, bless me, with, bless me to win the lottery, Lord. Bless me with millions of dollars. Come on, am I the only one that said that? Bless me to win the lottery. And, and if you bless me, 
if you bless me with it, I'll build, I'll build a new sanctuary for the church. He said, I'll, I'll build a new sanctuary if you bless me with that much money. I won't get into it, but we don't even give to the building fund. And he wants, we want him to bless us with a lot of money. I don't think he's going to trust us with it. I wouldn't trust me with it either. You know why he puts, puts up with stuff like that? Do you know why he puts up with it? Because it's not his perfect will that any should perish. It's not his perfect will that any should perish. Jesus left the 99 to go sit or to go rescue the one because that one was important to him. He was, that one that was unrighteous or unholy in the eyes of everyone else was more important than the 99 that thought that they were doing the righteous thing or doing the right thing. Notice in Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our unrighteousness is as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our good really isn't good. But his good knows everything. Oh, I'm so thankful that, I, that we are in the hand of God. His good knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. I said he knows the end from the start. He knows the end from where we start. Thank you, Jesus, that you know so much more than we know. You know so much more than I know. I'm so thankful that God has his hand and he knows the will for, for my life that he has in place. But we pray, God, help me with this. Help me with that. But we limit the power of God by never yielding to him and what he truly wants. I can hear him say it, seek my will, seek my kingdom, and I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of all of your needs, all of your, your even wants. I'll take care of it if you'll just seek my kingdom. And we pray and we ask for things, but ultimately it is in his hands to decide what we get. And he says, after this manner, pray ye, Matthew 6, 19 and or I'm sorry, 6, 9 through 15. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth or in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, typically someone who doesn't know how to pray or, or is, is usually about themselves, they'll pray like this. Well, Lord, your name is great. It's great. I believe in it. But I really know what I need. I really know um, so please, according to my will or, or according to my wants and my needs of what I think, let it be done. And I really need this thing. I really need, and it, and it tends to be materialistic things, I really need this to make me happy. 
That person did me wrong. Will you please take care of that situation? I'm tempted with a lot of things, but please don't ask me to change my ways. Please don't ask me to, to shut things off in my life because that would just be too much of a burden on me. My goodness. And we go through our prayer time and never once asking God, what do you want? Oh God, what do you want? Lord, what is your will for me? I want, I want to stop right there. I, I want you to ask him right now, God, what is your will for me? God, what do you want for me? What, what do you desire for me in my life? Because we take too much time, I myself included, I'm probably preaching to myself more than anyone else that's listening right now. We take too much time and we begin to, to try to implement our own will into our lives. I've been told many times you prepare the preacher more than you prepare the message. And I believe that the same holds true in our personal lives. You have to prepare the person more than you have to prepare for the day. Oh God. You see, God has a plan for your life. He has a perfect will for your life. I'm not just, I'm not just talking to me. Or, I'm talking to every single person. He says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all of them that are afar off. He has a will and a calling for your life. And that perfect will, it's just that. It's perfect. There's no flaws. You can never go wrong with the will of God for your life. You can never go wrong with the will of God for your life. Coming to an altar and dropping our things for a moment of relief, that's not the will of God. I said coming to an altar and just laying our things down at the altar. And yeah, we, we feel the presence of God. I get it. I feel it every time I come to an altar and we've got the tears, we've got the snot, we've got the, the sweat, we've got this and we've got that. And, but, but most of the time, I've seen too many people do it. We come to an altar and we lay our things down and oh God, we begin to grab it right back up. We, we just, and it's like we can't let go of it. That's not the will of God for your life. The perfect will of God would be to leave it and to start a relationship with Him. It can't be the will of God to leave a service the same way that we come in. I'm preaching and going into Sunday. It cannot be the will of God that we show up on 1030, at 1030 on Sunday morning and we leave the same way that we started this whole pandemic with. We've got to change we, we, we've got to allow His love and His grace and mercy to change and begin to alter our lives and our hearts. Well, I've heard, you know, what's the perfect will of God? What is it? You know, what's it, Brother Jordan, what's the perfect will of God for my life? I'm not a prophet. I can't prophesy what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not going to do that and, and, and there's, let's just be honest, there's too many people that are running around prophesying over people saying you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that when all we really need to do is we need to get in our prayer closet. We need to open up the word of God and begin to cry out to him, God, what do you want? What do you want to do? What, what, what is your will for me? I don't care what anyone else says. I care what you say is for me. 
But scripturally, God gave us a plan and something that we can live through in it and begin to place and pattern our lives. And you want to know what that perfect will is? That's Jesus Christ. He gave us the life of Jesus. He lived a perfect life. A sinless, God-fearing life. And don't think that it was easy. He was in all, always tempted just like you and I. He fasted. He prayed for the will of the Father. And through that, he was led of the Spirit. In every, everywhere, he was led through the Spirit. He was led, I've heard it said, my goodness, and, and, it, and it scares me. I've heard it said, I don't see how there's a perfect will for your life. I don't see how God can call you over to this place or call you over to that place. There's got to be something that calls you there. Yeah, there is. There truly is, and that's my God because he's all-powerful. And when we limit him, when we limit him, he can't call us there. But let's get back to us. He was led through and by the Spirit, through the perfect will of God. He said, I must needs go to or through Samaria. If he wouldn't have done that, if he wouldn't have listened to the will of God for his life, that woman in Samaria would have never heard it. She would have never heard it. She would have never ran back to Samaria and begin to tell everything. There's a man. Come see a man is what she said. And he told me everything that I've done, everything that I've did, I've done in my life. She said that if he would have never listened, if he never would have heard the calling of God on his life, he would have never been there. But the Lord's prayer says, not my will. Not my will, but thine. And to say that there's not a perfect will is to call Jesus Christ, the Father, a liar. And I don't want to do that. That's a scary position to be in. Jesus knew that there was a perfect will for his life. And the flesh, it didn't want any part of it. That's why he stood there. He was like, oh God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless... Nevertheless, let this cup pass for me. Oh God, the will of the flesh is not doing the will of the Father. Let me say it again. The will of the flesh is not doing the will of the Father. That is iniquity. Doing our own will is simply living a life of iniquity. Oh God, and I don't want to live a life of iniquity. I don't want to live a life that is contrary to the will of God for my life. Oh, because I've got to have the will of God in my life to survive. My children depend on it. And their children depend on it. I've heard it said, and this is not even my notes, this is, this is free, if you will. I've heard it said, we're one generation. We are one generation from losing or not living in this apostolic Pentecostal movement. And that is a scary position to be in. Because even though it has its ups and downs, church, this is the best life. This is the absolute best life I've heard. I've been through hard times. I've been through, through trying times when we don't even know if the bills were going to get paid. But somehow, 
God would provide. Oh, Jesus, speak to us, God. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And he went out from thence, and he came into his own country. His disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, of Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. I don't understand that, but let's go on. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And, and he marveled. He marveled at their unbelief. He went around villages teaching. You want to know what limits the power of God? I'm going to go on. I'm going to continue. But let's just in a nutshell. You want to know what limits the power of God? Our unbelief. Jesus goes to the city where he was raised. The city of Nazareth. Trying to do a work there. He begins to preach to them. He went house to house. He goes to the synagogue trying to make something happen. But has to leave because they were offended. And they didn't trust him. And it says that he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled. How many times, and myself included, have we walked to an altar after hearing a message directly from God and leave unchanged. Can I say that in my own studies, I don't want to offend anybody, but in my own studies, we are no different than that city. And I can't limit, God, I cannot limit your power from working because I didn't believe you could work in me. We can't limit the power of God from working in us because we don't believe, because He is the great I Am. Oh, He is the great I Am. And in the story, I want to go back to the text. I'm quickly coming to a close. In the story of the rich young ruler, he is literally talking to God in the flesh. I can't wrap my mind around that. He is talking to God in the flesh. God, Jesus, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, go and keep the commandments. You've got to do that first and foremost. Okay, I've done that. What do I lack? And he says, go and sell all that I have. All that you have and give it to the poor. He said, one thing. Oh, God. He said, one thing is keeping you. 
One thing is keeping you from getting into a deeper relationship with me. Just one thing from seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. One thing. Just one thing, man. Just, just one thing that you have to give up. Why is it so hard to do? Just give it up. Leave it at the altar. But he couldn't do it. The man couldn't do it. Oh, God. And if I'm being honest this evening, I find myself, oh, I find myself comparing myself to him. I've seen myself being so consumed with things and cares of this life that I have felt the call from God trying to pull me out. And it felt wonderful. It felt wonderful having his arms wrapped around me. But I did just like everyone else and I, I'd come to the altar. Oh God. I'd come to the altar and I'd pick it right back up. I'd pick it right back up and I left in the same sorrow that I arrived in. Church, God did not call us to stay in our own mess, but he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But how many times has the man of God, my pastor, your pastor, come up here and preached the unadulterated truth and we still leave unchanged. We have limited the power of God and we have told him, I can handle it, God. I can handle it. I can take care of this on my own. We, I've gone too far that you can't help me. There is nothing you can do with me, God. I can take care of it. I can do it all. Oh, God. Oh, it's complete submission. <laughs> That's why they've ran away. They couldn't submit. Oh, God. They couldn't submit. They couldn't be obedient to the true, perfect will of God. I don't want to be in that position. Oh, I can't be in that position. In Matthew chapter 13 and 7, and I'm ending with this. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and they choked him. And he goes on, he begins to explain it to his disciples in verse 22, the same chapter, 13. And he says, Oh God, all that receive seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. He that heareth the word and the cares, God, he, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches would choke, would choke, would choke the word, and they become unfruitful. I know the life that God has called me to is, and I, and I hope that you can equate yourself to me and what I'm feeling tonight. I know the life of God has called me to. It's going to cause me to leave something. And it may even hurt some feelings and, and, and maybe even my own. I, I know someone listening feels the same way. 
I know someone listening because he wouldn't have given me this message if it wasn't going to speak to someone's life. I wonder if there's anyone listening right now that would just raise their hands and begin to make a declaration. Go ahead and make a new contract with him again and say, God, I can't allow something or someone on this earth to distract me from my purpose. I can't allow something or someone to distract me or to hinder me from your word, from your will for my life. He said the deceitfulness of riches. He said, what profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Church, we can't allow the things of this life to hinder his power from working in us. And I don't want to limit the power. I don't want to limit his power from working in me. Oh, God. I pray that you would move over these people right now. God, I want them to feel the same thing that you have placed in my heart and in my life. Oh, God, I pray right now that you would move in someone's life. I want to I say this right now. I'm done. But if you are a backslider, if you are, if you are finding yourself running, he's calling you. He's still calling you. He still wants you. He still wants to commune with you. Oh, God, please come back. I can hear him say it. Please come back. Please come back. I, I want you. I want you. Oh, God, have your way right now in the name of Jesus. I pray your perfect will right now in the lives of these people that are listening. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Church, find yourself a place to pray. Go in your bedroom, find your bed, find you a closet. I don't care where it's at. Find you a place. Declare yourself for him. Sign you a new contract saying, God, from here on out, my life will forever be changed. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to your will. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Church, remember, service once again right back here on Sunday at 10.30. Please be here. Get here early. Make this a place and a house of prayer. Remember the guidelines. We don't want to talk. Uh, uh, we don't want to get with anybody. We don't want to shake hands, fist bump, please. We want to make sure everyone stays safe. Uh, we we want to worship. We want to come back here and be in one mind and one accord. You'll be able to see the faces of these people. You'll get a smile. You'll get a wave, something. Uh, we love each and every one of you, Victory. If, if there's anything that this church, this ministry team can do for you, please do not hesitate. Reach out to us. Email us. Call us. Text us. Most of you have our numbers. Reach out to us. We all have Facebook. 
We love each and every one of you. Thank you once again for joining us. And in the name of Jesus, be blessed. Amen and amen.